This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. So the Euros now in full swing, aren't they? My wall chart is being updated on a regular basis. Those first round of games are complete. Some decent football on show too and I'm sure plenty more to come. It's going to get really exciting come those last games of the group stage and then into the knockout stages. That's what we want. Knockout football. Coming up on this episode, we'll chat with Dom Smith from englandfootball.org. He'll be looking back on the Scotland game and we'll look towards the Czech Republic match, the final one in Group D with Thomas Daniek from the at Czech footy Twitter account. Uh, Now, first of all, (laughs) apologies for those who may have been thinking, oh God, it's him again, media whore. Uh, a couple of years back, I was invited to do a piece on the sports personality of the year. This is me trying to justify it. Um, yeah, invited to do a piece on the sports personality of the year. And I think somehow I've been a point of contact for the BBC. They've got my details. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind it at all. But it's amazing how much time it can actually take up. All the pre-calls, a little bit of prep on my behalf, then the actual call. Uh, trying my hardest to actually sound intelligent. Um, BBC West Midlands, Berkshire, Hertfordshire, BBC London, Five Live and BBC Breakfast. <laughs> Never thought I'd be saying that, but thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to deny it. Uh, it does make a change from those 5 a.m. calls I had from Talk Sport during the 2018 World Cup. Love Sport Radio 2. Whatever happened to them? But I must admit, when I took over this podcast, I wasn't really anticipating being a point of contact for the likes of BBC and various other media outlets. Um, What was it that Andy Warhol said? Everyone will have their 15 minutes of fame. I think I may be just just peeking there. I may even stolen 16 minutes. Um, (laughs) Anyway, as I say, some decent football on show. Ronaldo breaking records for Portugal, that Czech goal against Scotland. For some other moments or highlights, I'd just like to mention, and I think there is no better place to start than with Denmark's Christian Eriksen. Good to see he's recovering in a Danish hospital. He's posting on social media that he's feeling much better. I hope you, uh, I think we can all say together we wish him all the very best. But I think also huge praise should go to the Danish medical staff. There was also the Danish captain as well. Uh, But the Danish medical staff who saved his life, basically, uh, they should be really highly thought of too. It's not just a team of 11 men on a football pitch. It is everything that goes with it, that goes with the international team on international duty. Um, So well done to those guys. There was Ronaldo and those Coke bottles in a, was it pre-match or post-match? There was two Coca-Cola bottles, of course, sponsors for the tournament. He was just sitting down ready to to talk to the media. And he glanced down at these two Coke bottles, pushed them to one side and then told us to drink water. 
Agua. <laughs> um, linesman with late flags. Oh, this is driving me around the bend. There was the France game, uh, Mbappe against Germany, I think it was. Um, they scored. It was clearly offside, but the linesman let the play flow till the ball was in the back of the net. We're thinking, wow, it's a goal. No. Uh, Hungary as well, they scored against Portugal whilst it was nil-nil. Again, this one was offside. But is that ruling is just to leave the passage of play to come to its natural conclusion? And in this case, it was put the ball in the back of the net and then the linesman raises his flag. So frustrating. I don't think I should really call them linesmen anymore, should I? I'm probably stuck in the uh, the early 2000s by calling them that. Assistant referee. But staying with Hungary... How good did it look seeing an almost full stadium there in Budapest? Great stuff there. I don't want to go and start getting carried away with myself, but we play there in September in some World Cup qualifiers. Maybe. Maybe. How about that stadium in Seville? <laughs> Looked awful. When they moved the, the Spanish stadium from Bilbao to Seville, I naturally assumed it would be to either the Real Betis ground or Sevilla's ground. Not some athletic stadium. That and the ground in Baku stands there so far from the pitch. I'd be, be fuming if I got a ticket for one of those and I was sitting right, right at the back. Uh, one thing I mentioned on Twitter, which seemed to resonate with many, uh, whilst it is understandable, uh, both BBC and ITV studios, usually they're location based, but now as obviously the tournament is pan-European and all the restrictions going on around Europe, all the studios, they're just computerised backdrops. I can't deny it, it does look good, technology and all that, but it's not the same, is it? And I'm kind of thinking back to the World Cup in 2006. I remember being um, by the Brandenburg Gate and you could just look up and you could see the BBC studio right there. I think there's plenty of other um, studios in that vicinity as well. Uh, but it's just being in location just just gives it that little extra edge. And I think the TV, TV footage is just slightly missing that for me. I think that's enough mentions for the BBC as well. <laughs> uh, anyone I think I've been paid by them. Uh, not so much of a highlight, more of a low light has been the issue for England fans uh, with tickets for the Scotland game. Plenty of England fans all poised, ready for another ticket drop, only to be disappointed as there appears to have been some sort of miscommunication, be it between the supporters club or UEFA, I think it's fair to say the ticketing for this tournament really hasn't gone to plan. And I appreciate there's been a huge upheaval, but leaving fans hanging like that uh, hasn't been ideal. So, yeah, I, I feel for those that were waiting for tickets after being told that there were going to be some, only to have hopes dashed, basically. Uh, yeah, it hasn't been ideal. OK, I've got my Scotland ticket ready. I've got a train to catch. Let's head to Wembley. Oh my days, <laughs> what an absolute Scottish morning, it's absolutely chucking it down. Welcome to UEFI Euro 2020 at Wembley Stadium, please have the NHS app open on your phone. 
explaining the vaccination status, all negative actual drug test confirmation, ready to show at the stadium entrances. So as with the Kreisch again, I am through the COVID check, I'm through the ticket check as well. I'm currently standing right next to Bobby Moore, just at the front of Wembley, looking down onto Wembley Way. I was standing down there earlier. Weather today, oh, it was raining earlier when I, uh, when I left home. Fortunately, it's just grey clouds now. Hopefully it'll stay that way as the, uh, as the game progresses. But looking down onto Wembley Way and having been down on there earlier, Lots of Scots, lots of English, all mixing together, all good-hearted. Lots of songs, lots of banter. I hate that word, but yeah, lots of banter from the, uh, from the Scots. Lots of flags, lots of singing backwards and forwards from the English fans as well. Yeah, really looking forward to this one. Nerves now really starting to kick in. It is... What are we? Oh, we are an hour and three quarters away from kickoff. They do try and get you in here early. A little bit which is quite frustrating um, but I guess that's that's the way things are now uh, but yep yeah, not long to go once those national anthems get going that's when the nerves will really start to kick in not just for me but for everyone else inside the stadium as well and for everyone else watching at home wish you could be here with us so as I said earlier it stopped raining so we're five minutes from kickoff and the rain now is coming down as the pre-match shirt-waving thing is happening on the pitch in front of me. Team's about to emerge very soon. England then, lower tier, bouncing around. Going to be such a big atmosphere, even with just 22,500 people inside it. Don't boo the national anthems, is what they said. Have a listen to this. Right then, best we talk about it, isn't it? Dom Smith from englandfootball.org joins us. Hello, Dom. Hi, Russell. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. Uh, well, go on. Tell me which one. Frustration, anger, disappointment, anticlimactic. Any others? Which one resonates with you? Yeah, a, a mixture of them. I don't feel angry, to be honest. I don't. I think that's a... You know, it's better that people care about England than that they just sort of watch a, a draw with neighbours Scotland and, and move on to the next thing. It's good that people care about things. That's important. Uh, you know, I was upset last night when watching that, um, but I'm not angry because uh, I think you've got to see the bigger picture. The bigger picture, first of all, uh, we will come on to the game. I'm, I'm aware of that. The, the bigger picture, of course, is that we've got four points now. We're pretty much through. Uh, four points is enough to see you through in in the current uh, format of the Euros, which I think we all know is a mental, ridiculous format. But but there we are. But yeah, on the night, it's hard to say Scotland wanted it more because England would have wanted to win that game clearly. But Scotland certainly looked like they were they were on it more. They looked like they'd done their homework on on England more than England had done their homework on Scotland. I think that's fair to say. The pressing from Scotland was very cohesive, especially down the wings. In midfield, obviously, they had, they had three in midfield because they were playing 3-5-2 in England. Only had 
two in midfield and Mount, who plays very far far up, really. So they they out they outdid us in every in every area of the pitch, and and the midfield in particular is where that game was uh, was was never going to be won by England. To be honest, I've heard a lot of criticism for for Southgate taking Foden off last night, and for him taking Kane off, and for him replacing Kane with Rashford and not Dominic Calvert Lewin. I think it was one of those games where it doesn't matter who was on the pitch. England were never going to get uh, the three points in that game because they just they played within themselves. They didn't take risks, and Scotland did. And and I think that's where the game was. Uh, I say one and lost. It wasn't one and lost. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why England weren't able to get over the line with three points. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a saying, isn't there, that you should never change a winning team. We did. James and Shaw came in for Walker and Trippier. Was that necessary, do you think? I don't necessarily subscribe to you should never change a winning team um, because I, I think I, I do think that's a bit of a phrase from the dark ages where where you don't have the knowledge and the sports science and the analysts that you do now. I mean, these days we, we have incredible, these teams have incredible finances and incredible knowledge from, from analysts and from, from stat- statisticians and things like that, that they can work out how best to beat teams in a very kind of scientific way. And part of that is who to field on the day. So I don't agree that you should just, you know, keep together a winning formula. I think that that's a phrase from an era when we didn't have sports science and we didn't have uh, the tactical nous and awareness and, and, and statistics that we do now. I'm sure Gareth Southgate partly picked the team last night, but partly it would have been down to what his analysts were looking at and, and which players were going to cause Scotland the most problems and do West to, uh, do, do best to stop Scotland causing us problems. So um, I have no problems with the team. It was pretty much the same, barring slightly more attacking fullbacks. And I think the only reason why Trippier was played um, in particular the, the other night against Croatia was that Croatia are very threatening down the wing, more so than uh, perhaps than Scotland. Although... <laughs> Last last night's game, or, or we're speaking the, the day after the game, it wasn't it wasn't like that. Actually, Scotland were very impressive, and, and they were impressive on the wings. I don't read too much into England's uh, England swapping the fullbacks, really. Yeah, no, perhaps I'm showing my age. Perhaps uh, perhaps it's oh, a phrase. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not <laughs> suggesting. That. No, no, no. You're fine. Uh, I mean, it, yes. I mean, f- full credit must go to Scotland without a doubt. They. They yes, you're right. They've done their homework. I'd like to think that, I and mean, perhaps the way you phrased it there, they've done their homework more than England done their homework on on them. I'd, you'd like to think that wasn't the case, but Scotland, yeah, they came out and they they took control at points and and they nullified us and and we couldn't break them down. And it's yeah, you don't want to sound patronising to little Scotland or something like that but they but they done a job they done a job on us they came for what they wanted and their supporters went away truly happy well they came truly happy and they went away truly happy I think they were going to go away truly happy regardless of the result that's it that's if they were even focusing on the game itself <laughs> yeah the less said about that the better maybe we, we, we know how the Tartan army works I think it was a game that frankly Scotland won more than England lost uh, you, you know, you you put a tweet out today about the the succession of nil nils that England have had in tournaments since 1990, uh, and I enjoyed looking back through that and just seeing some of the really dour results that it would be quite easy to erase from your memory if they were friendlies or qualified, but yeah. but they, they stick in the memory because they're the matches that mattered. Unfortunately, yeah, England just didn't do enough on the night 
to penetrate uh, and, and, earn, and earn chances against a Scotland team that really were resolute at the back and, and who, who took the game to England in their attack by pressing when England's defenders had the ball. There were quite a few periods of the game where the ball was being played between England's back line to and fro and to and fro and there was no link into midfield. And I don't... And it didn't matter when Declan Rice dropped in and almost sat in centre-back or when Calvin Phillips did the same because there was no progression beyond that. Scotland were just pressing so well. And yes, it, Gareth Southgate's England is one of the contenders to win this tournament. So yeah, the, the counter-argument would be they absolutely should have found a formula to get through, you know, little old Scotland. <laughs> but they didn't. And um, Scotland thoroughly deserved their point, unfortunately. It could have been so different though, couldn't it? I think, was it... Eight or nine minutes, and John Stones. It was it was a free header. He he was up high, yeah. headed against the post, and and had that. Obviously, it didn't go in. But even when the ball rebounded back to him, and he was on the floor, it it, it was almost he could have just nudged it in with his foot. It could have been so much different. That could have given us the confidence that we needed. That the extra eighty minutes after that really could have been floodgate stuff, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, of course it could. And uh, and Scotland would have had to come out then because they'd have been facing a second defeat. We know that it's there's real jeopardy in, in hoping that you're going to get through as a third place team with three points. And that's even if they beat Croatia. And that's not a given. You know, goodness me. So um, it, it could have been different. John Stones, I thought, mistimed his leap. I thought he leapt too early. And by the time the ball met him, I think he was on his way down. And then you're finding it difficult to get the arcing of your neck that you need to aim it. You know, he, he put it too close into the corner. He, he could have got more of a twist if he timed it better. His fault, no one else's. But ultimately, you know, I wrote in my match report that that we might have expected that to be a chance from which England would build and start to dominate the game. 13 minutes in, I think it was, or 11. And uh, it wasn't. It was actually the best chance of the night. And that's uh, that's just the sorry reality of the situation. Yeah. We've got to talk Harry Kane for a moment. I don't know. Obviously, he came off against Croatia after a, a quiet game. Um, he mm. took a, a bit of a knock um, as well during that game. But he came off last night. There's something just not right there to me. I don't know whether there's... Uh, it could be a combination of things. It could be a... Is there a slight injury? Is it confidence? Is there something going on in the background talking about his club side? I don't know, but... He's not firing on all cylinders for England. No, anything but. And it, it's weird. It's not like he's coming back from an injury, which we know sometimes can cause him to have a quiet three, four, five games. It's not like that. You know, he's had a good season. He's become only the third player in Premier League history to become top scorer and top assister in in a single season. But no, he, he has looked off the pace. I, I don't think there have been enough balls into him, crosses and to feet. But uh, so that's that's not his fault. But what is his fault is a lack of movement. The only time I've seen him on the ball in these first two games is where he's dropped extraordinarily deep, way, way more deep than you would ever want a number nine to drop. Yeah. I understand why he does it. He's not going to do it if the midfield are doing their work to to, to link the play to him. But, but even so, he's he's coming way too deep, and then we just have no one in the box in case the ball does make its way to a fullback, and they look up and and they go, oh well, there's no one to put it into. Which is a problem, especially in the in the latter stages of a tournament, which England will hope to hope to get to. With Kane, I'd be I'd be very surprised if it's if it's distraction. You know, if he's yeah. distracted by transfer gossip or or whatnot. 
that would really surprise me. He seems to me to be someone who who can block out distractions and frankly, who doesn't think about them very much. He, he seems to be very level-headed, committed to the cause and he's very pa- patriotic and he wants to do well for England. So, you know, it's, he'll want nothing more to the, than to, first of all, to, to to put it right against the Czech Republic. But, you know, it's got to be said, He's got. He's got to be started in the game first, and and looking at these these performances, it, it's not inconceivable that Dominic Calvert Lewin might come in. Now, I'm not suggesting that if he, that if Calvert Lewin did start, then if England got through and played a round of 16 match, then that Calvert Lewin would start in that too. I don't think that would happen. But yeah, it, it's not inconceivable that there might be rotation in the next game, which England were banking on being a dead rubber, and it's going to be anything but now. No, it's it's very interesting, that one. England fans were clearly making themselves heard. The clamour was for Jack Grealish to come on, obviously after what we've seen through the uh, the Premier League season and when he came on in, in recent England games. He came on, but just he just couldn't make the difference, could he? Nope, some nice driving runs which beat a few men, um, which is exactly what he, he he does. He's exactly what he's good at. But you know, you you get past one Scotland player and you think, oh, maybe England are gonna are gonna finally get their chance. But the next Scotland player comes out of nowhere and crunches the challenge or or, or makes a nice block, and it wasn't it wasn't the night for England's attackers. Uh, as as I've said earlier, I don't think it mattered who was on the pitch. I don't think anything was going to change there really. You know, Grealish might get his start against the Czech Republic, but we're talking about Scotland. And at the end of the day, with that attacking talent, it should have been wrapped up well before stoppage time when we were then scrambling to squeeze it into the box and force it a bit. Southgate was asked after the game, do you think that that there was a lack of intensity, which is what some of your players have said? And he said, no, I actually don't think that's how we how we failed to win that game. We failed to win it because we were too frantic on the ball. I'm not sure I saw frantic on the ball, really. I saw, you know, the ball reaching a fullback or reaching a midfielder, and they just stood there and they, they didn't look for the they didn't look for a run. They didn't make their own run, and they didn't pass the ball forward. Scotland, to be fair, were pressing well and tightening down well, but you've you've, you've got to beat them at some point because if, if that's the final, England can't take a draw and move on to the next game because it's the final. So exactly. you've got to go and win it on the night. So. Yeah, disappointing. But, uh, you know, as we often say with England, it's uh, it's all coming up roses and we're the best team on earth when we beat Croatia. In- England get one dodgy result and, and they, 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 they're they packing their bags. I think the reality is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm afraid to say I don't think we're going to win this tournament, but we're not out. So um, time to put it right against the Czech Republic and um, England will fully know that that's their priority now. Well, that is, yeah, we, we've got to look at the positives. As you say, it's Czech Republic coming up. We've got four points on the board. We've got two clean sheets. Pickford yep. hasn't had to pick the ball out. So there are positives there. One other thing which which always frustrates me as being just a football fan in general, but especially following England, when results don't go away and, and crowd starts to boo at the end is is frustrating. But it's... Part of me says, yeah, it's understandable why it happens. It's people getting their frustration out. But there are positives there to be taken, aren't there? Yeah, the very few positives, you know, in the performance itself, you know, very few positives to take from the 90 minutes mm. of football played, but positives to take, as I said at the beginning, um, from the bigger picture. England are still in this tournament. They're, they're second in the group. 
they're yet to play the team that are above them and, and who are above them by only a single goal. If they beat them, they win the group. I think England need to go and beat the Czech Republic. I don't care who England play in the second round because you're going to have to beat good teams. I really couldn't care less who it is. If it's whether it's Iceland, I say that knowing they haven't qualified, but I'm just making the point. Whether it's Iceland or Germany, I really don't care. You have to you have to be a team that's in a good mood and and has good performances and results behind you. And to win to win the opener one nil in a pretty tight game and then to go and draw two games or, or, or draw one and lose one that doesn't set you up well for the knockout rounds of what is ultimately the most competitive tournament in international football this is a harder tournament to win than the world cup so um england need to go and beat the czech republic i'm not a hundred percent confident that they will and i have absolutely no idea what team southgate will pick i think he'll change quite a bit of it and keep quite a bit of it the same i think we might see a bit of a hybrid team really this this is the point now where where England are really going to need to move on from a, from what they can what, what they'll hope is just a blip. They want to move on, ride the storm, and hopefully kickstart their tournament by you know by scoring a few goals and, and getting a few wins because one goal for and no goals against is is decent for for the first two games of a tournament, but it, it's nothing more than decent. I'm sure you probably already know this stat, but uh, in 115 matches between the two, England and Scotland, that was only the fourth nil-nil draw. Yes, and, and the first the first at Wembley. You know, England put out their youngest ever tournament team last night. They've never, ever played a, a younger team than that in a major tournament game. And Southgate asked his, you know, asked the supporters to to back to get behind his players uh, when he spoke in the post-match press conference because because they are young lads. But to be fair... They're, he's not playing them because they're young. He's playing them despite the fact that they're young and because they're the best in the country. <laughs> so they invite the criticism if they don't perform because there's no one else better to, to play in front of them. That there's no there's no brilliant generation of 29-year-olds sat at home who wish they were at the Euros instead. <laughs> they, they don't exist. No. These, these are the best footballers in this country. They were expected to beat the best footballers that Scotland have. They didn't, but they can do it against the Czech Republic. Yeah, we move on. We move on. Well done. Just quickly, uh, we're speaking shortly after Germany have beaten Portugal 4-2. Anyone taken your, your fancy so far in the tournament? I've been impressed by Holland, but they've played relatively easy opponents. And I think England would have made light, light work of them as well. Touch wood. Germany won't win it. They don't have the, um, I don't think they have the longevity, really. France, France are one of those iffy teams that you know will come good when it matters, yeah. despite drawing with Hungary today. And, and Portugal look good. I see it being Portugal or or France, and Belgium are well in there as well. That they're exce- they're an exceptional team. You, you, most teams that have that have Lukaku and De Bruyne and all that they can bring. Lukaku's hold up play is unbelievable. So it, it wouldn't matter who you've got if if you've got Lukaku and De Bruyne, you get yourself into a fair chance of winning anything. So I think those are the three: France, Belgium, Portugal, and, and I'll I'll chuck in England because of the podcast I'm featuring on. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that, or we'll get to a podcast very soon. But I was going to throw in Italy into the mix. I've been quite ah, impressed with them. Yes, I forgot about Italy. They're, they've been really good. Uh, I don't think before this Euros they'd, they'd ever scored more than twice in a Euros, yeah. and now they've done it twice in succession and not look, not come close to conceding a goal. Nothing like. So they, they've, they've been exceptional as well, and their midfield looks really strong. Yeah. Knockout stages is where it counts, though, so it's uh, still yeah. all to play for. Yeah, so englandfootball.org, as we all know, your uh, writing skills on there and, and the great reports that you, you do for us. 
England unmasked. Go on. Well, I decided to do a, a podcast just uh, during the European Championships covering England. We've all had a pretty tough time of it during the COVID and I needed something to keep me uh, keep me occupied more than anything else. So I've partnered up with my friend Luke Edwards, who's a freelancer at the BBC. Yeah, we're, we're doing uh, podcasts after every England game and, and speaking to, to journalist guests. We've spoken to Matthew Nash of the Metro, John Murray, who I know you've had on from the BBC. Yeah episode looking back at Scotland is with Henry Winter of the Times, which will be out later today. So it's going well so far. And it's, it's, a, it's a nice sort of different medium to, to get my reporting done. But um, yeah, the website's going well as well. Good stuff. And we can find it on, on all the usual platforms, is it? Yeah, sorry. Uh, all, all the usual uh, podcast platforms and, and Spotify seems to be the most popular. So it's just England Unmasked. Good stuff. Well, I wish you all the very best with it. And I can tell you from from doing however many of uh, Freelion's podcasts, if you can, the general saying, I think, with in the, the podcast industry is if you're starting up a podcast, if you can get past seven or eight episodes, then you're hooked into doing it. Well, there's an incentive for England to make the final. We'll have to <laughs> if they can do their side of the bargain. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm committed to doing mine, but Good there stuff. we are. Nice one. Dom, thank you very much for your, for your time, as always. Yeah, good luck with everything. And, and yeah, we'll, hopefully we can speak later on in the tournament should England get a little bit further, he says, keeping his fingers crossed and finding any lucky rabbit foot and four-leaf clover he can find. <laughs> yeah, I'll cross my fingers and uh, toes as well. Thanks very much for having me on. Cheers. My name's Gary from Channel England Football and I think England last night were absolutely woeful. No ambition, no drive, no intent, uh, not taking enough risks, players who were playing that are unfit and, and the, the system just does not work. So it needs to be much better from England moving forward. And last night, let's be honest, it was a shocking and embarrassing performance. Hello, Russell. Matty from Bristol here. Well, that game was a letdown, wasn't it? Um... First half, it felt like something could happen. The second half, it was just um, below standard. The game overall was disappointing. Um, substitutions didn't really help us out. And overall, um, we just need to pick ourselves up and hope for the best against Czech Republic. Hey, Russell, it's Sam here from It's Coming Home TV. Just uh, leaving my uh, review of the game. It was... Uh... It wasn't the best, let's be honest. It was against, uh, you know, the old enemy. We should be, uh, beating teams like that, but I guess it was just typical England, really, uh, scraping to a near and draw. Um, but we can't get too disheartened. We've got to go again on Tuesday, an opportunity to get a win, win the group and, uh, see who we get in the last 16. Hi, it's John Bleasdale from Scottish Football Forums Podcast and Famous Tartan Army Magazine. And I must say, I was highly impressed with the performance from Scotland. I feared going into the game that England were going to have too much quality. But what we showed last night was we showed a real team spirit. There was even an argument that we could have um, deserved to win the game with some of the chances that we had. Although ultimately, my personal opinion, I think a draw was a fair result. We played as a team and I don't think England did. go to Prague shall we <laughs> let's go to Prague and we'll speak to Thomas Danicek uh, from the Twitter account at Czech footy Thomas hello there you're right hi I'm, I'm fine thank you for having me 
So here we are, Euro 2020, when the draw came out and you saw who the Czech Republic would be facing, Croatia, England, Scotland. What were your initial thoughts, how this group would go out? I kind of expected to draw in, in the derby. I, I guess it was it was always supposed to be a battle, especially after such a long time. I think from England, there was only like four players who even experienced the derby previously. So it was always going to be a hard fought, probably a draw. So that wasn't a surprise. Uh, I also kind of expected Croatia to not really be very good. The the voices in the camp were quite pessimistic before before the tournament. So... Uh, I thought they were there for the taking. We did quite well against them as well. We could have beaten them even on the day, I suppose. Especially in the first half, we were all over them. So six points would be nice. Yeah, the, at the same time, generally, I, I think the, the way the group is playing out is, is kind of how I expected it. Maybe spare for for the, the win against Scotland, where I actually thought we could struggle and only tie the game at, at, at the best. Okay, so you're quite you're pleasantly surprised with a win against Scotland, were you? Yeah, uh, and it's it's mostly because we've got very recent history, and and Scotland always beat us and never let us even score, and that was in in the seniors as well as under twenty ones. So it just felt like they are our boogie team that you know we 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 can never beat, or we have some sort of mental block, especially going all the way to Hamden and, and you know, playing in front of fans after a long while. For for them, it was after 19 months. So I, I sort of expect them to to put in a good, urgent, uh, dangerous shift. And they, they eventually did, but they just couldn't take their chances. So we were oh. kind of happy in, the, in that opener. Yeah, you certainly took your chances. A 2-0 victory over Scotland on their own patch at Hamden. Everyone is clearly talking about the the second chic goal. Amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. In fact, you could argue that we took chances that never never really were chances in the yeah. first. Because even the first goal, actually, that was a very difficult header. It, it didn't look like anything, uh, you know, you needed to adjust your body and your head or forehead uh, uh, pretty amazingly to even get it on target the way he did. So both of those goals were difficult in their own way and Schick did obviously brilliantly to score them and bang them in. So it, it was genuinely just his sort of magic and Watzlik's magic in the goal as well that that did, the, did it for us because otherwise in between, in midfield especially, we were overrun, sloppy with, with our passing and yeah, just not not good all around. What's the feeling in the Czech Republic at the moment with people? What's the feeling over there? What are they talking about? Are they looking ahead towards the England game positive or are they looking to top the group and go into that knockout fixture with with the, the winners of the group of death, as people are calling it? What, what's the feeling over there? Um, well, first of all, it's fairly unusual for us to basically be guaranteed a progression with only with one game to spare. Uh, I think it's only ever happened in in 2004 when we went on to to have that good run uh, to semifinals. Usually, we at least leave it for the third game to you know. Now it's kind of unusual. Obviously, it's not 100 percent that we are going through, but it's kind of at least 99 percent. 
it's fairly unusual. And also unusual is, is the fact, as you mentioned, that winning the group may not necessarily be uh, an advantage. At the same time, people in the Czech Republic, they overthink it. In my view, they overthink it too much because even if, if we finish second, we go, uh, go up against the runners-up from the Spain group and make no mistake, Spain can still finish second as well. Sweden yeah. on four points and they are pretty good. So if we go up against uh, Spain or if we go from third place in our group and we meet Netherlands, there's just no easy opponent. And I know it's a cliche. Even for us, uh, probably, it would actually be advisable to even go against one of those stronger teams because we won't be fancied. We know that we thrive against you know adversity or upon adversity. And uh, so, yeah, actually, I can just see us facing Sweden and seeing our chances, then going out after a dull nil-one loss, uh, you know, when we barely have any chances. and the whole press and the whole public is going crazy about the crisis in the in the Czech football. I don't want to see that. I, I, I would rather that we knock out a, a favourite. Yeah. Well, it's, it's what they say, isn't it? In, in all big tournaments, if you're going to progress, you need to beat the big teams. You need to face the, the better teams and, and test yourself, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I guess the, the reasoning here is, that especially with the tournament format, there's always a way how to progress when even further than, than quarterfinals, in fact, without facing uh, like a top-class opponent. But at the same time, and like people mentioned England as well, you, you know it well from the World Cup where I'm not saying you only got to the semifinal because of the draw, but definitely the, the draw seemed favorable yep. at the time. So... Uh, there's there's definitely cases like that, but at the same time, yeah, uh, if if you want to progress all the way, then you you need to beat anyone. Um, but yeah, the, the Czech people would probably argue, look, the maximum for us is one or two knockout games anyway. <laughs> we can probably do only as good as Wales five years ago, let's say. Yeah. At that point, yeah, you would you would expect or or hope for for a more suitable opponent than Portugal or Germany in, in the first knockout game. But yeah, I, I think we, we are the sort of team that can beat anyone on, on, on their own day and lose to anyone on their off day. So I don't really care or I can't bring myself to care because I can imagine any outcome with any game. You're just enjoying it as it goes along. Which exactly. is probably the best way to do it. Um, well, let's let's move on to to the big game coming up. It's going to be at Wembley, twenty first of June, England against the Czech Republic. Over the years, it appears that we've played each other seventeen times. England have won ten. There's been four draws and uh, three defeats, or, or three victories for the Czech Republic. And I might add that the last time we met, well, which was the last time we spoke, was back in twenty nineteen. When we lost to you 2-1 in Prague in a, oh, it was a European Championships qualifier, wasn't it, for this tournament? Um, yeah, and a, yeah. a certain chick played in that game. What as well I've also noticed, we have never met together in a tournament finals game, which is quite interesting. So so what are your thoughts going into the England game? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I feel like... Southgate is is kind of searching for the for the best setup, especially attacking setup, how to break down opponents, 
So he might tinker uh, a bit. At the same time, the, the substitutions from the last Scotland game don't really suggest that he's <laughs> very unhappy because he kind of stuck with, with, with those players for, for quite a long time. So I don't really know what to expect from the selection. I know that the two changes from the from the opener were only at fullback positions. So, you know, you would expect that at least Sancho and, and those kind of guys rotate in. And, and I know Sancho did well against us, I think, in the first uh, qualifier. So, so they know, you guys know how to torment us, how to, how to destroy our backline. And I kind of worry because in the, in the first game, I think it was in Wembley when we when we got trashed five nil. That's right. We actually we we lined up with with two right backs. We lined up in a very negative formation, and I worry that the shell have reverse in, into that position where we assume that we are the inferior opponent. Because yeah, we don't need to win. We don't need to chase anything, and and possibly the the best outcome now would be to not be destroyed. And I just feel that that our coach has has that kind of mindset, that cautiousness in him, that may see us field Kadesabek and Sofal again, two right backs on on that right side, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you may face an England team that. Well, after the the draw against Scotland, and frankly the the appalling display against Scotland, um, and the the public backlash against the team here, you may be on the on the receiving end of another five nil defeat. Exactly, uh, English players will be hungry, and uh, I I don't know if uh, like like in the opening minutes against Croatia, England look legitimately scary. Their only prog- problem is that they couldn't replicate it for pretty much the entire rest of the tournament so far. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, so so far, England have played about five minutes of good football. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but those, I would even go as far as 20 minutes or something. Yeah. Those were really like high intensity. You know, the circulation of the ball was much more inspiring. If England play that kind of football against us, I think... Our centre backs are not really suited to counter that, especially if you play, you know, next to them or alongside them. They don't really know how to chase players or have the tools how to chase. They are better in like static, rudimentary defending or last-ditch defending, like blocking shots. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it could be very desperate from us if English players are actually properly on which I think they pretty much have to be at the moment because otherwise they are going into the knockout stage, not having any sort of momentum, not having any sort of public support, especially on pretty much the home, home soil. That's That must be unacceptable for them. Yeah. And you talk about sort of this this home soil and those talk of home advantage. Obviously, being following the Czech Republic's path, You've played two games at Hamden in Scotland. You've played, you will have played a game at Wembley. So there's a lot of travelling and obviously you're going to be getting through to the the knockout rounds, it, it would appear. Do you think this travelling is good? Oh, we would go to Copenhagen. If, if we finish runner-ups, then, then we would go to Copenhagen. Yeah. If we finish first, then we would stay in London. Or Of course, yeah. We, we always return home because we have our training base back in Prague which is uh, kind of awkward because actually the players can't they have a very strict 
COVID rules, obviously, to follow. Mm. They can't meet their wives, children, whatever, even though they actually stay in the same city with them. So it's yeah. it's kind of an awkward situation. And and yeah, before the tournament, I think only Croatia and and one other team were supposed to travel more than than the Czechs. So it may definitely factor in as well. And and some of these players are not very used to traveling, but most of them they've played the the European or as we say English week where you play first day and weekend anyway. They are kind of used to the whole workload or or even traveling uh, to European games. So hopefully it's not going to be a huge factor, but definitely the third game in such a short span of time after such a difficult, tiring season, uh, not just physically, but also mentally, it could as well be either like a trap, nil-nil, or because both sides will feel it, or it's going to be a, a crashing of, of our of our team. I can't sort of see any other option at the moment, actually. Well, after watching a drab nil-nil last night, um, per- from a personal <laughs> point of view, I-, I don't fancy watching another one. Well, well, we shall see. Thomas, thank you very much for your time and joining us. You are, of course, on Twitter. You do the, the Twitter at CheckFooty. Just tell us a little bit about that for us. Yeah, I, I set up uh, the account, I think it's it's two years ago now, in, in summer 2019. Since then, it's it's grown very nicely. Uh, of course, the, the transfers of Socek or Tsofal, have helped a lot in, in growing the audience. Uh, so plenty of West Ham fans already follow me and then uh, mention every now and then a Czech player that should be or is moving to West Ham. So yeah, it's it's been a fun ride and and definitely hop on if, if, if you're into it. Absolutely. Thomas, thank you very much for your time and, and we may speak again. Yeah, th- thanks and, and good luck. Not, not too much of it, but good luck. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Well, that rounds up this episode of the Three Lions podcast. My thanks, as always, go to Thomas Danicek from the Twitter account at CheckFooty and also to Dom Smith from EnglandFootball.org. Uh, don't forget his podcast, England Unmasked. And also yourselves, thank you very much for your 30-second reviews on the games. Feel free to get them in come the Czech Republic game. Uh, just open up your phone, 30 seconds, and email them to threelionspodcast at gmail.com. And I'll be back very soon, looking back on that Czech game with another England blogger. And also, hopefully, looking forwards to our knockout opponents. Thanks for listening, as always. Hello to you if you are a new listener and you've just found the show. Welcome along. Please feel free to spread the word. The show is on all the usual social media channels. Just search Three Lines Podcast. So until the next time, continue to enjoy the tournament. And let's continue to support the team, our team. Cheers.